Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 162, part one of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and let's get cracking. My guest today is Doc Reed from Reedicus out of North Carolina. He's a graphic designer and screen printer, but he's got a whole lot more going on. During this episode, we talk about our kids. We talk about the Reedicus startup story, where that all started and came from. We talk about his early days screen printing gig posters and some of the inspiration to him back then, and a whole lot more. So let's not waste any time getting into part one here. I love this conversation I have with Doc, and we talked and talked, and I split it into two parts. So this is joyous episode number one of two. Ladies and gentlemen, my wonderful guest, Doc Reed. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Doc Reed, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. I need to know, are you committed for a quickie? Uh, I've got four kids, so they have to be. <laughs> I love it. I have three, so I, I know okay. what you're saying. <laughs> um, let's start with the tough stuff. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Um, I uh, Like I said, a dad of four daughters and uh, been doing illustration and design for the last like 17 plus years in and out of Agencies, nonprofits, corporate America is where I'm at now and uh, doing the side hustle nights and weekends and making it happen, scratching the itches that the day job uh, doesn't necessarily get to. Mm -hmm. So you have four girls. Yep. My two oldest are girls and my youngest is a boy. Yeah. And I sometimes wonder if having just all girls would have been easier, at least when they were younger. Because the difference between raising two little girls first, and stereotypically speaking, like my kids sort of fell into that very different category, and raising my son next, oh my gosh, the differences? Night and day. Night and day. Night and day, you, for sure. Do you notice that in your girls, though? That they're night and day? No. No, not too much. No? They're very, they're really? very alike. Yeah, well... I wouldn't say night and day. In most ways, they're very alike. But my oldest daughter, the biggest difference is my oldest daughter is, you know, a bruiser. She's very opinionated. She has her personality. She's like ready to lock horns and go to battle when she doesn't agree with something. Mm -hmm. Whereas my second, so two girls first. So my second then is very, is a lot more, I guess, sensitive and emotional, I guess is the way I would explain it. Mm -hmm. So that's about the only way that they're different. But the rest of the time, they're like, the way that they in a pod. grew up, two peas in a pod. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say the, the bruiser was our second mm-hmm. until our third came along. And then it was like, why is the one-year-old pushing the four and the six-year-old <laughs> around? What's going on? <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, right now, uh, our fourth has sort of turned into the com- uh, comedy relief. 
and just realizes she has everyone's uh, attention at dinner time, and so she'll just sort of cut her eye sideways at you, and, <laughs> like catch her playing with your food, and be like, "Come on, we need to eat. We don't put it in our, you know, our hair type of a thing." And yeah, she's like, "But it's funny." <laughs> I see you laughing. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah, uh, kids are right, man. So much fun. Yeah. They keep things interesting, right? Yes. There, there's very uh, seldom do I come home to the same scenario at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. There's something, something going on. <laughs> All right. So you've got the corporate America thing cooking. You've got you read a kiss, which is your side hustle and evening mm-hmm. thing going on. How long yep. have you been re- running that for? Uh, I've been doing it since 2009 was when I started and it started out of like screen printing. Mm-hmm. Um, the gig poster music scene was, was, uh, I guess blowing up as I was graduating college. And, uh, of course being a senior and finding out that there is a screen printing class in your printmaking, uh, like courses, uh, limits well i hadn't taken the prerequisite prerequisite so i had to to pass on those and then just sort of uh, got my screen printing degree from youtube uh nice. the following two or three years so um but then uh incorporated or llc'd in 2012 so mm-hmm. was that seven years as an llc yeah seven years so, yeah so how do you get into screen printing from home like did you buy yourself a little setup or do you have a shop you go to I uh, did it all myself, built an exposure unit. Um, it, it also helps to be married to an amazing wife that lets <laughs> me. Uh, well, back before we had kids, I was screen printing on the kitchen table, uh, burning screens in the, the shed out back with the water heater. And um, yeah, she let me. I tried cleaning up the tables best I possibly could, but there were definitely a couple of posters that uh, lingered on some of our uh, kitchen chairs. I'm like, oh, I missed that paint blob that rolled down the back of the chair. So Nice. That's character. That's stories for when the guests came yes. over for dinner, right? Yes. Yep, yep. Very cool. So you built this screen printing setup, and that was your. that's where it started for you. You weren't doing design at that point. It was all for you and for the screen printing. Yeah, and a lot of that stemmed from being in college uh, with all of the restraints and you know parameters that they put on everything. I, I was seeing and finding the music industry or the, the gig poster music scene to be one of those things. And a lot of the posters were just imagery that was slapped together uh, that didn't make a lick of sense. I mean, uh, <laughs> some of my favorite poster artists, uh, at the time were aesthetic apparatus and the coder ring and things like that. And I think it, I, I'm going to get this wrong now, but I think it was the aesthetic apparatus guys that did the meat puppets toboggan head on just a, uh, like a map background. Okay. It was amazing. And it was one of those things I was, I was like, I have no idea what the concept was. I have no idea what it's supposed to tell me. All I know is I freaking love that poster. <laughs> and it, it was in all of the annuals and illustration, you know, print magazine and all of that jazz. And so I immediately was like, I want to do gig posters because I'm sick and tired of having restraints and, and parameters placed on me from all of these assignments. And mm-hmm. and I got out and started doing it for myself. I'm like, I need restraints. I don't know how to do all this <laughs> stuff without a purpose. Okay, I'm going to skip ahead and then I'll rewind after a little bit here. But you mentioned that one poster that really stuck with you. Would you say that that's been the most influential design of your life so far? Oh, man. Um, 
I don't I don't know. Honestly, it's been screen printing has been very influential. <laughs> and I think a lot of that stemmed from uh, like the late nineties, I'm gonna date myself, late nineties, like surf uh skate culture, like the Quicksilver and the Burton and the you know, the Vulcum and and things of that nature, just sort of sort of permeating into the artwork that was being done and a lot of it I think I think just the idea of punk rock and gig posters where it was sort of like um Mark Bricky calls them eighteen by twenty four business cards. <laughs> yes. It's like, yeah, you just you're basically printing, you know, large format business cards to show the world what you can do type of thing. And and it was not at all what I was thinking when I got into it. I definitely wanted the work to be able to talk to me from across the street if I'm walking down mm-hmm. uh, you know, downtown wilmington at the time uh if i saw a poster across the street and it was just type and nothing there like i, I would walk past it but if there was a, an image that was arresting i would go what's that and i would walk across the street type of thing to figure out oh the thermals are coming to the soapbox on whatever and um that was sort of how i approached gig posters it was more image heavy just to initially uh, you know catch the passers-by type of a thing. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'd say I focus less on type because of my love of gig posters and things like that. It's very important when you get all the information and dates and who's playing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was the image had to stop me or at least connect on some sort of level for me to buy into it. So how did you get to the, you know, become the point of contact for these bands in creating these posters? Oh, you! Uh, I just did it and <laughs> showed up to the the post or the you know the events and be like, "Hey, I uh, I printed like fifty of these posters. I put like twenty of them up around the the college campuses and around downtown to try to get people to come here. Here's you know fifteen for you to sell. Put gas in your van. Don't sue me or you know take all the money type of thing. And it was more of a ask forgiveness than it was permission. <laughs> That's um, awesome. And. I did the one, the one time I did try to go through the proper chain uh, and get permission from the band. It, uh, I just like hit them up on Twitter, hit them up on Facebook, and you know Instagram. Tried to hit up their managers and you know uh, labels and things like that, and then just yeah. got crickets. Uh, and so then I partnered with uh, the local record store that was selling tickets, and we just sort of did like a pre-order, like, hey, if you get tickets from uh, Gravity Records, um, you get you know, a discount on the poster and they, I, it was the first and only run that I sold out of, uh, as far as the posters go. And it was one of those things that I was like, I'm literally printing my own money right now. Um, and had a couple people reach out and was like, Hey, where can I get one of those? I love it. Da, 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 da. And then, uh, I got hit up on Etsy by by the merch guy for the the band, and they were like, "Hey, you got any more of these?" I was like, "No, I sold out." Um, but I'm thinking about doing a reprint type of a thing, or a, a, you know, art print type version of it. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm the merch guy, and I'd really appreciate it if you didn't do that because we got a guy that we paid money to do posters, and everyone's buying yours." <laughs> and, and so I was like, uh, "I I tried to reach out and." You know, but you you live and you learn, and so I yeah. didn't print any more of of those. I did do a reprint, took the name of the band off, and just made a little uh, 
art print type of a thing, but mm-hmm. everybody that knows the band knows that it's, it's for that band. <laughs> That's cool. Okay, I'm going to rewind a little bit here, and I want to get into your childhood a little bit. Um, okay. Do you feel that you had a creative childhood that sort of pointed you in this creative career path? Um, yes. As I was gonna say, it was one of those things, uh, flipping through, uh, old scrapbooks that mom had kept for us, mm-hmm. uh, which at the time I hate, I'm like, this is such a waste of time. Like, I don't, why would anybody want to look at, why would I want to look at pictures of me in diapers, you know, growing up over these <laughs> yeah. stuff things. And now that I've got kids of my own, it's been really, really fun. I'm really glad that my mom d- had, had done that, taking mm-hmm. the time to write down stories and, and whatnot. So, she was sort of uh, instrumental in a lot of that, you know, capturing those moments type of thing that I'm trying to do more now with my kids as as well, just to look back, write stories with them, you know, that we can then, you know, start illustrating and stuff like that. Um, but as far as like art goes, they knew that I was creative. Music was sort of the language of creativity in the house that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Like my brother and my dad, uh, both are really amazing uh, guitar players, and uh, I tried playing the violin for a couple of years. It was more like every time I picked it up, it just sounded like I was skinning a cat alive. It was horrible. <laughs> um, and uh, so, art was sort of I just had always done it, and I flipping through the scrapbook, I'd come across a page. It was like you know, first grade picture. What do you want to be when you grow up? And it was me as an artist is standing in an easel type of thing. And so, um, I was talking with mom a couple of years back and I was like, yeah, I, I don't feel like you necessarily understood what I wanted to be when I grew up. I just knew that you supported me. Like mom and dad both were very mm-hmm. much like, yeah, we don't know what you're going to do. Or how you're gonna <laughs> we don't know where you're going to go with this. Yeah. Um, uh, but it was a, uh, you know, over the years, you know, go- graduating, from high school with you know some things and going to a couple art fairs stuff like that they they sort of started tuning into what some of the artists that i would meet would be saying like yeah he's got natural talent type of a thing you know keep fostering it and helping him you know out as you can and they were just sort of like we don't know how to do that and <laughs> but it was just you know you know helping me you know they i think i was like ninth grade or something like that and been saving up money for my first drafting table that um, you know, sit at and draw and they basically like, no, you're going to put it downstairs in the living room. So we'll see you. Cause if not, you're just going to hibernate in your room type of a thing. Mm-hmm. So, so they, they definitely encouraged it and, and whatnot. So they may not have necessarily understood the difference in, you know, illustration, graphic design, you know, printmaking, things like that. But I don't think anybody, I didn't certainly, I certainly didn't understand it mm-hmm. when I was doing high school and college, but so but yeah, it definitely was fostered. Uh, I think Rockwell was a big influence. It was one of my mom's favorite artists. She just loved the storytelling and the way he captured emotion and humor in, in, in everyday life. And mm-hmm. I think that's what she was trying to do a lot with the scrapbooks is to catch the highs and the lows and to to be able to have that catalog of a, a story of our life type of a thing. So 
Yeah, that's so cool. My parents uh, did the same thing. They have you know sort of the scrapbook of stuff, you know, yep. from accomplishments and you know pictures. Oh, mm-hmm. this is his first football game, and here's and you know it doesn't mention that I sat on the bench the whole time. But it's, <laughs> it's I'm there and I'm in the jersey so, uh-huh. <laughs> and stuff yep. like that. And it's fun to look back and you know remember that kind of stuff. So the same thing. I'm trying to you know ride the border of. Um, you know, hoarding and, and collecting the important things of, of, from artwork that my kids bring home in moments of their life. But yeah, that is just a valuable thing to be able to yeah. look back on, even just sort of see where you ended up as an adult. Oh yeah, look at those things. I was interested in that back then. I make those connections. It, it, it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember at one point mom was wanting to throw them out and I was like, no, don't throw them out. And then a couple of years later, I came back around. I was like, I'm really glad you didn't throw these out. Like, I've really enjoyed going back through them. And mm-hmm. she's like, well, thank you. It's about time you, you came to your senses. <laughs> um, so. Doc, I want to ask now, who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow? And what about them do you like? Oh, man. Um, that is funny. Like, as it's like thinking about that question, it was one of those things. I'm like, I don't. I'm a, I'm a pretty loyal person when it comes to like friendships and relationships, I think, but I'm not super, super loyal to any brands. It was more, as I got thinking about it, it was always periods in brands, cultures that I resonated with the designers behind mm-hmm. how they were communicating. Like, um, Alan Peters, you know, in his time at, at, uh, at Target was one of those things that was kind of like, I loved it. It was super smart and, um, creative, uh, a wonderful way to, to incorporate photography and design and, you know, you know, brand colors and style guy type of thing. Um, and you know, t- well, if I was to narrow it down, I'd say target probably has got my heartbeat, uh, dialed in. So like they'll use, you know, Chris Lee from the beast is back and, you know, invisible creature guys to do a lot of their decorations around the holidays and mm-hmm. seasons and stuff like that. So they, they speak to me on that, that level, but it was, um, I guess like CSA and French paper that sort of kicked it off. Like I'd always had a soft spot for them and, um, the adventure and, uh, sort of rebellion of the dodge and jeep campaigns and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. sort of carries over into north face and stuff like that from a clothing perspective and you you get a little bit of that then when you move into the olympics like i love every four years seeing what country is gonna or how each country is gonna inject their culture into the you know the brand that is the olympics type of a thing but Definitely. No, I agree. I look forward to that each year, or it's not each year, but every four years or two yeah. years with the Olympics, you know, the winter and the summer alternating. Yeah. Um, just sort of seeing how the local environment takes it up. And in 2010, I believe it was, up in Vancouver here, we had the Winter Olympics. Those were gorgeous. Right? Like so, That kept the communication arts that that was in. I love them. Yeah, it was just done so well. And, you know, being in the print industry at that time, and seeing, you know, the printed collateral, the the official guides and books and things that were all produced around that time. It was all just beautiful stuff. Yes. Yeah. So that kind of actually ties into the next question, which is about print and packaging. Um, I'm curious to hear you definitely like lived in screen print for a long time and you still do. Tell us about how you've utilized print and print design in your career outside of the gig, gig poster stuff. 
man. Um, a lot of the, like the tangible pieces, like early on in my career were, you know, everybody was sort of passed along the, the letterhead and envelope and business card, uh, stationary collateral packages. Mm-hmm. And, uh, those were always fun to do. And, uh, the next step from that, that was sort of outside your st- stationary go-tos were vehicle branding and fleet, uh, branding for, uh, some companies. And that was always fun to see your designs on actual three, you know, dimensional objects. You're like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this logo works amazing when it's on a flat sheet of paper. And now I'm trying to put it on this vehicle that I got to find a flat spot so that it doesn't look, you know, cattywampus or something chopped like that. up too much with yeah. windows and fenders and things like that. Golly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and coming again from the the sort of surf skate uh era where it's like yeah put it on their side you know cockeyed doesn't have to be straight and it's like ah, no this is a, a landscaper he needs his stuff to look professional and, and straight <laughs> yeah you know architects everything's got to be 90 degree angle or you know uh type of thing so it was it was fun then trying to figure out where those um like margins and and how you'd break up the page with uh, golden ratios and things of that nature. How can you do that with, uh, you know, a pickup truck, mm-hmm. you know, then sort of take the, you know, the bed of the truck and sort of break it up and use the, the golden ratio or to try to find some, some sweet spots so that it, it fits together without running into gutters and, mm-hmm. or, uh, seams in the truck. The worst part was when you would design it on one side without the gas tank or gas uh, cap, <laughs> yeah, and then you go to put it on there, and you're like, oh, man, like, call me next time before you, you know, <laughs> you realize that the, the logo and the, the phone number is going to go right through the, the gas cap. So that was one of those things. It was like, okay, memo to me, always take a picture of the side with the gas can or the gas, <laughs> gas yeah. tanks on so that you can design around all that stuff. So totally. Um, off script a little bit. Why do you think that screen print and print in general is so important and, and, and valued so much by designers and creatives? You know, seeing, you know, we've gone through a season of back to back to back to back, like design trade shows, and there's so much screen print and poster print and printed collectible stuff at all of these shows. Why is that so cool? Why is that so valued still? Um, I. I'd I'd have to say I mean it's you can see that trend in photography where you've got the re uh, the the insurg- resurgence of the lomography mm-hmm. like the Lomo cameras and the Holgas and the Dianas uh, Dianas and and things of that nature like the medium format like uh, the the you know the digital cameras and you know the 35 millimeter when they came out to replace the medium format you know chunky quicker faster better stronger type of mentality the same thing you know you, we see with the the computer and everybody's pushing digital and everybody's working on you know the sketchbooks are now iPads and nobody nobody carries around the physical notebook and pencils uh, very much anymore and I, I get it it's an absolute convenience to be able to not have just, you know, graphite on your fingers and you can work in color a lot quicker type of a thing. But, uh, I think as a maker and creator, I think part of the wonder is like 
dancing with it mm-hmm. and and that you know just being able to to touch it pick it up see how it looks in the different you know lights and you know i i don't know i anytime i pick up a screen print uh from if i've bought it from somebody or a letterpress even like I, I pick it up and just sort of hold it up to the light and just sort of watch the the light play within the, you know the impressions uh from the letterpress and just mm-hmm. how the ink overlays and if you know did they put any uh, iridescence or pearlescent uh, you know, metallic in the ink and just sort of watch how it interacts with you know direct overhead light and you know things of that nature and it's it puts it into a space that has uh, it allows it to live and react on its own type of a thing mm-hmm. uh, and for me sitting in front of a computer and not being able to touch it or, you know, I miss that, the physical, you know, attributes of, of paint and ink and, mm-hmm. you know, printmaking and things of that nature, just the, the ink under my fingernails type of a thing and, and stuff like that. I, I, I love it. So I, I think there's a lot of that out there in the world with, you know, people with going back to records and, and, things of that nature so yeah there's something there's something about the craft isn't there yeah. you know, about being involved with the tangible craft and what print i think gives designers the opportunity to do is even though it might just be a business card it might just be a letterhead or something you know bigger and more extravagant but it allows you to create a piece of art if it's being reproduced and printed it's a piece of art yeah i mean like i got a tin right here full of business cards of people yep. that i've met that i've I just like letter pressed or or some sort of special you know treatment whether it's a spot varnish or something like that she's like mm-hmm. it's it's fun it, it keeps me interested and in little little works of art type of a thing for me um but yeah, yeah. all right doc the next few questions i have for you take you down part of your career where you likely made some mistakes learned some lessons and i want to pull those stories out of you Um, So what's been the most challenging time in your design career so far? All right, all right. You know how I love my cliffhangers. That is where I'm going to stop part one of my interview with Doc Reed. Part two goes up tomorrow morning, and that's where we get into the tough stuff, the challenges he's experienced in his career, and a whole lot more than that. So thank you again for listening today, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.